happy birthday to you. Lizards for real. Uh, this for is real, MM's birthday episode. Yay! Well, it is not her birthday. It is her birthday observed by this podcast um, on the day we recorded this. I don't know if you have a beverage, but I, I do, mm-hmm. and I, there's a story behind it. So why don't you go first? Okay, what is your beverage? so well, I'm drinking my my lemon beer, Hefeweizen again. But okay, nice. hold on, everybody. I'm so classy. My scrunchie, my scrunchie. <laughs> God damn it. My koozie is so tight on this glass. It's really hard to man it. Okay. Sorry, that was just that word was not even close. No. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've everybody, I've had a long day. My brain is spent. Okay. This is a Great Lakes Brewing Company lemon hyper. Ah yes, the the it, taste of summer. Refreshing as shit. As I put my not scrunchy, but koozie back it's this. Okay. Dear friend and listener, Amy gave this to me many years ago, back before any of us had children and we were we were young and free wheeling. What you're saying is this co- this koozie is your beer skinny jeans? It is. Thank you. Exactly. This koozie is my beer skinny jeans and it's from Costa Rica. And then on the other side, it just randomly has a monkey on the other I, side. I love it. That koozie is well-loved. But maybe they make beer skinnier in Costa maybe, Rica? I mean, it might only, like, they might have thought that people only drink beer out of bottles. Because the bottles are a little bit skinnier. Uh, you're you're right. You're right. Do I, do I need to get you a slap bracelet style one? Have you seen these? <laughs> I have seen those. They can't work well. They are amazing. Really? Hold okay. Commentary. Have- Here she comes running back. So I have two. Okay. One I one I purchased. Another one someone purchased and left behind, and so I took. Fine. Okay. Slippers. Okay. So it's from Fremont Brewing. Okay. It's, it's just a you know slap bracelet. So. If you have one of those, like, like a fucking red stripe, it fits around oh. that real nice. If you have, like, a skinny seltzer can, it yeah. fits. If it's a big honkin', like, German beer, it fits. Oh. And because there's no bottom, yeah. it sits flat. I feel like the slap bracelet koozie was born from a conversation like this when someone was yep. trying to take their beer scrunchie down. And they said, but there's got to be a better way. Also... R.I.P. Ron Popeil. Oh, yes. Said it and forget, but never forget it. Said it, but hashtag never forget. Never forget it. So I am drinking a a hashtag wink wine. Nice. Uh, It is a rosé. It's called uh, Sauvetage. Ooh la la. Um, But the reason I picked it out of the wines available and the seltzers available in my fridge is it is from France. (gasps) And France uh, features heavily in my Shut up. We finally get to bring it back to the ha ha ha. And actually, uh, our French person in this story is one of the only likable people that you are going to encounter. (laughs) Shit. Amazing. is lovely and you want nothing but the best for him and you literally hate pretty much everyone else in this Okay, story. well, I mean, that just goes, I mean, that's like me with the 99% of people anyways. So, yes. yeah. I am so excited. So what are you going to, 
What's so, hail? Are you going to regale? Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Who are you and what are we doing here? Oh, that's true. I am Katie. And I'm M.M. And this is the Wine Times Mysteries podcast where we bond over wine and mysteries as... Bicoastal besties. Yeah. So oh, I want it As bicoastal besties, but specifically on my birthday. Go show It's your birthday. I, after the intensity mm-hmm. of our past two episodes, mm-hmm. very intense, you know me, I keep going like, what's something fucking random, right? Yeah. And then I think to myself, I go, Katie, what's this podcast really about? We should really get back to our roots. The wine. wine. <laughs> so this, so I literally Google wine mystery and Ooh. got a a thousand podcasts so that didn't work but eventually i got a cool mm. little combo of letters together to give me the formerly on netflix now on imdb tv documentary sour grapes <gasps> about a gigantic wine forgery case <gasps> i know nothing about this but it sounds so good i can't the- wait and there's no murder hey. what <laughs> Amazing! We're doing light and fluffy. So really, the only content warning I have for you, lizards and MM, is it's just really gonna make you fucking hate rich people. I mean, done and done. Let's go. So I figured we don't. We I figured we were all already there. <laughs> um, so the documentary is called Sour Grapes, um, and it is about Rudy Carniawan, who uh, was a wine forger. You kind of know that as the documentary starts. I guess, but, but how does one forge wine? Oh. Oh, we'll get into it. No, I can't um, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Can I make a prediction? Sure. Rudy goes to his local Trader Joe's and he buys a shit ton of two buck chuck. And then he home prints out some real fancy labels from his laser printer, slaps them labels on and says, I got me some... Chateau de Neuf, some, I don't know. You, you're you not entirely wrong. Are so you shitting me? The first line in my notes is get ready to fucking hate rich people. Okay. So I kind of want to present this in the way they present it because it really unfolds as you really don't, you, you know from the description of the documentary what it's about, but it opens on just like a weird fancy wine tasting auction type thing and all of these rich white dudes are going with a lot of them with really bad teeth, just going fucking nuts and like singing a weird song. And there's like wine glasses everywhere. Wait, is this like, like a rich this... people song that you have to be rich to know? I don't know. And there's lots of weird clapping and it's Ooh. just, it was, I, ugh, it was very, very strange. Okay. So everybody's wine drunk at an auction is what I'm hearing. Basically. Okay. So, and this is juxtaposed with uh, like shots of like the stock market going bananas because this really comes about because like the whole wine culture and wine bottles being so crazy priced uh, really came about because of the dot-com boom because you had a whole bunch of people suddenly with fuck you money ah the nouveau riche and they really get Mm -hmm. into they all, all decide to get into wine you know how gauche you also see a shot of a wine inspector who we meet later. Her name is Marie I'm sorry, Hill. a wine inspector. Well, she's a wine consultant, but she uh, they. I'm sorry, a wine consultant. Did not know that was a choice. Not for... a sommelier, but a wine consultant slash inspector. Do you get a badge for that? 
I would hope so. I do and is not it shaped like a wine ash. bottle? Please, <laughs> it, please. It should be like a wine bottle with a sheriff star behind oh, it. Oh, God, yes. Um, so her name's Maureen Downey. We meet her later. She's lovely. Uh, I, you want to be her friend. Mm. Um, but she's like, you know, has a little magnifying, like, jeweler's thing and is looking at the labels Shut and stuff. up. Okay. Okay. So that's our, that's our establishment of fucking rich people. Mm-hmm. Lots of people with lots of money. Mm-hmm. Something's going on with wine. Mm-hmm. And then we sh- smash cut to Burgundy, France, where we meet Laurent Ponceau, who is the only person you're going to like in this entire thing. Well, Maureen, Maureen, Maureen's pretty cool. But, like, he's the only person really involved in this that you're going to like. Okay. Um, so he was born in in Burgundy. You know, he was born just above a wine cellar. So he's like, you know, it's not oh. that like, it's not that wine is in my blood, but my blood is in the wine. And uh, damn, Laurent, that was deep. He, the spirit of Burgundy wine is so. We're at Domaine Ponceau, which is that's the winemaker is Domaine Ponceau, and so he is Laurent Ponceau. So it is his family's winery. Um, so the spirit of Burg. So this is all also specifically about Burgundy, which. Okay. When I hear Burgundy, I think of jugs of Carlo Rossi. Oh, <laughs> I but- thought you were going to say you think of Ron Burgundy. No. I no? mean, yes. Yes. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, you know, it's only Burgundy when it's from the burgundy region of france it's like a very small strip of land mm-hmm. it's like one mm-hmm. kilometer wide it's much like kona coffee it's only burgundy right, it's from right. this, you know and it's very specific minerals it's very specific weather and everything like that so burgundy doesn't really taste like anything else and it's very 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 special it, you know when you drink burgundy the name of my autobiography i said it too late i was thinking about it for way too long <laughs> so the way laurent describes it and he has like the the most perfect like the best accent ever. It's so perfect. It's just ha ha ha. He opens not... his mouth and the only thing that comes out is ha ha ha. I mean, this, and the people who made this documentary, like they fully went with, uh, you know, you know, the accordion establishing music oh, and everything. <laughs> and so he's explaining that when you drink Burgundy, you're, what you're getting presented to you is not just wine, but a culture and a history. Mm. And what people feel behind the wine has no price. Cut to San Francisco at a wine auction where uh, two bottles go for $11,000. What the Uh fuck? Um, So here we meet Jay McInerney, who's a novelist and a wine writer. And he's kind of one of the experts that we kind of go back to quite a bit. And he explains that the wine culture boom came from the dot-com boom. Suddenly a lot of people had a lot of money. Uh, Wine auctions became a place to see and be seen. And like, even if you... Even if you didn't want to buy wine, like you yeah. like you could bid outrageously so people would know you've got fuck you money. And... You know what's funny about COVID? I mean, not funny about COVID, but funny about the COVID times is like the opposite of the CNBC. Because <laughs> I was thinking I, I would like to not do that, but no also not this way. Not this, <laughs> not like this. <laughs> he started to get these emails because he's, you know, a writer and a wine, you know, he's like known in, in the sphere about nights where a bunch of bros would drink a ton of rare and old wine and like some of the notes on the wines were things like uh it's got rich acids lingering like call girls at a casino and like things stop it (laughs) what yeah and so he finds out that these notes are coming from a man named john capon 
who we will meet later, who is an auctioneer. And so John Capon is involved in this group, and the group is called the Angry Men. Um, pardon moi. And they all have dumb nicknames, like Mr. Angry and Big Boy. Ew! Hollywood Jeff. What? And and Dr. Conti and things like that. And the, the reason it's explained by Hollywood Jeff who we, who's another big character in this. Jeff with one F. I can't fucking, oh my God. And he wears uh, fully opaque, like gold aviators indoors. Mm. So, the, so the angry men is called the uh-huh. angry men because when they would go to like wine dinners and things and, you know, everyone brings a bottle of wine, they would bring a good bottle of wine from their cellars and other people would bring, you know, their $8-est bottle of wine and mm-hmm. they'd get real mad. Wait, these men would get mad at other people bringing not Bad as wine. expensive wine? Sh- shit wine to things. And so they wanted to not be angry anymore. So oh. they would, they formed a little club. And oh, so you know how they could not be angry anymore? First of all, who gives a shit? Second of all, bring enough wine for everyone. Third, so. stop being fake friends with people you don't want to be friends with. Just so just. many things. I hate these people. <laughs> oh, oh, it wait. The angry have, oh. men. The, the angry, angry men. men. Oh. So, uh, we cut to Los Angeles. I'm sorry, we... no, I'm not over this yet. <laughs> they should be labeled a terrorist organization. The angry men. <laughs> I mean... Were all of them white? Were all of them white? Um, all of them probably except this Rudy is, are pretty much white. So Rudy was an angry tell. man. Rudy is an angry man. Yes, he he was Doctor Conti. Because He's Dr. His, Conti. Okay. okay. Because his okay. favorite winemaker was uh, Romani Conti. Or his wine variety, like, t- whatever. So he was Dr. Conti. Mm-hmm. And he is Doctor Indonesian. of this. He's Nobody Chinese. else can see I'm flipping you off. He's from Jakarta, but he's okay. of Chinese descent. So, But okay. other than that, I didn't see another person of color. So. Oof. Anyway, so we're in Los Angeles. Uh, Hollywood Jeff is sitting next to... Uh, the douchiest person in this entire thing, which is saying something, uh, who's a private equity investor. This guy's name is David Fredston, which sounds like a fake name. And they're both sitting in a car. And David Fredston is never not drinking if he's ever on screen. He always has a wine glass. So he's just in a car and has a wine glass and he's drinking. And they're both going back and forth of like talking about some wines they had recently. And like, they know they're on camera. So I'm not like, they didn't mm, the lack of self-awareness here. So they're talking about whatever they were drinking. And David Fredson's like, it's got coconut. It's got nutmeg. And then he turns to the camera and he goes for anyone out there buy 96 champagne. If you can't afford that buy O2. And if you can't afford that buy fucking beer. You know what? Again, no one can see me. I'm just very slowly flipping Katie. So many birds. birds. So many birds. So like that's that's the level of douchery we're talking about. We talked to Hollywood Jeff some more. He's introduced as a film director. I looked him up online and he has directed some movies. um, But mostly most of his newer stuff was um, our episodes of television, which ain't nothing wrong with that. But the fact that he's like labeled film director, I'm just sort of like, just say like, like he did episodes of Dark Angel. He did the pilot episode of Eureka, which is one of my favorite television shows of all time. He did, like, mm. CSI numbers, like a bunch of those procedurals. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, so Hollywood Jeff does explain that the angry men meet eight times a year. And every time, like, eight. one. Eight? 
Yeah. One person hosts, they do the wine and it's up to, you know, they'll drink up to $200,000 worth of wine in one night. Oh no, 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 And no, And lizards, no. I do, I do want to insert here. We both like wine quite a bit, but yeah. I think we're both on the same page here of at a certain expense level, there's a rate of diminishing return on what you get. Like, I mean, eventually this is all going to be P. So... There, yeah. I feel like there's no reason, like, once you get over, like, $80, $100 a bottle of wine, like, it tastes like wine. Also, what if, what, what kind of a world would we maybe live in if these angry men, instead of drinking $200,000 eight times a year, like, I don't know, did something good with that money? Ended hunger, you know. Um, something. So, now yeah. we meet, now we meet Maureen Downey who explains the concept of fuck you money, which is like why I love her so much. Um, and she explains that the fine wine world is mostly men. When she first got into fine wine, she worked for an auction house and she'd go to these auctions um, and people would be like, oh, whose date are you? And that kind of thing. Mm-mm. And around 2000 to 2001, she becomes aware of Rudy Kurniawan, who she explains as I started noticing a skinny, geeky guy who liked wine at some of these auctions. And he was very into California Merlots. And she explained, like, it's not that that's bad wine, but that's one zero, not three zeros. Oh. You know? Okay. Then we start seeing footage of Rudy. And I do want to be clear that anytime I say Rudy says anything or we see Rudy doing something, it's all footage. Either okay. Apparently he was going to be like, do like a show about wine. I don't know why we have all of this footage. I think it might be footage that some of the angry men maybe gave. I don't know. So what year is this or or approximately? So she becomes aware of Rudy in 2000, 2001. And we're going to go until about, I feel like the end of this is in like 2012. Um, but but most of it most of it is like 2008 2009 is when a lot of the shit this is the long con okay okay yeah so the docket so if if i ever say rudy is saying or doing anything it's all footage that they have because he uh did not respond to any requests to participate in this there's a lot of footage from these angry men events so i'd think maybe like for this show they gave them access and you see him saying some of the douchey, like every single person in all of this footage is also the douchiest fucking person on the face. Uh, just to put it like, okay. it's just, it's always, oh my God. Good anyway. context. Okay. So apparently about 18 months later, after she first becomes aware of him in 2000, 2001, he contacts her because he wants to start being a player in the auction scene. And she's like, what's this geeky kid who drinks Merlot? contacting me about i mean whatever but then she starts noticing him at things more and more and he starts to get into burgundy and that's where you get into the the three zeros and not the one zero uh-huh so hollywood jeff says uh his name is like jeff jeff with one f still jeffrey levy but hollywood jeff is what we're calling him because i feel like that establishes mm-hmm. the douchery mm-hmm. hollywood jeff says that rudy had an extraordinary breath of knowledge he taught me everything i know he had a crazy accurate palette we also meet a sommelier named Rajat Perros, and apologies for that pronunciation. Um, and he explains that the way he says this, this is so stupid. It's This is contradictory, but he says, wine tasting comes naturally, but you have to work at it. <laughs> okay. Maureen describes it better as a good wine palette is similar to athletic ability. Like you can exercise it, but there are people with natural talent, that kind of thing. 
And Rajat does say, he's like, I was aware of Rudy. Yeah, like, everyone was aware of Rudy. And, like, he really did end up, through his actions prior to all the fraud, but just by getting super into Burgundy and making these auctions a big deal, really kind of changed the face of, because it's usually just, like, an old boys club of, like, Mm -hmm. old men looking for that one bottle of wine that they had and doddering around and now these things are becoming more wolf of wall streety right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so we also meet another friend of rudy's his name is arthur sarkissian and um he they, he's credited as a, the, a producer of rush hour specifically <laughs> so not just a producer but a producer of rush, of hour. rush hour they didn't say which one uh i looked it up all three oh okay fine i'll allow it oh and the tv show but like those were pretty much the like, when I look down his filmography, those were the ones I actually recognized what they were. So, rush out. Um, and he was saying that, you know, people in L.A. are full of shit, but not Rudy. Like, he met him at some luncheon for another producer, and, like, they became fast friends. And so he's another person that we're going to get, like, the opinion of. Mm-hmm. We meet Corey Brown, a journalist who was interested in the wine auction scene. And she starts noticing Rudy at these auctions, spending a shitload of money. And she's like, what is he doing? Why? She tries to interview him for, like, doing a story just on the auction scene. It takes months to set it up. And we see several times in this footage Rudy making things like opening a super expensive bottle of wine, doing the whole sniffing, swirling nonsense, and then going like, oh, it's corked. And then going, ha ha ha, just kidding. Like, that's his big joke. It works once, maybe? Like, it's, it's his go-to, because we see it a couple times. Yeah. Um, so Corey explains that Rudy lives in Arcadia with his mother and is taking care of her. Uh, okay. And that um, people were telling her, like, people around the, the auction scene were saying, like, oh, his family owns the Heineken distributor for all of China. And so he has, like, a million-dollar-a-month allowance to just faff around and do what he wants. And she asks Rudy, like, so is that true? And he's like, I don't talk about my family. Yeah, that sounds um, like information that one would be able to verify. You'd think. That's yeah. A, a lot of what happens in this story is very you'd think. Um, so, okay. Um, so the, and like, no, so no one really knows. Like, he just like sort of, the, that's the mythos, right? But nobody cares enough to look it up. No, there's, <laughs> not at all. Someone says later, like, oh, well, he never talked about his wealth, but he didn't have to because you could see it. Could you? So if you just, like, spend a lot of money, who gives a shit, who, like, what your background, well, it doesn't matter. Anyway. Okay. So okay. Corey explains that the auction houses loved him because he was spending a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. No one was spending money that fast. And, like, he would just buy entire lots of things. Um, and so clearly whatever his background is, whatever he's hiding or lying about, he does have money. Like he's spending all of this money. And, but she said he was really ruining the old men. Okay. But but what does one do with an entire lot of wine? Like you're not, see, I'm already, I'm, I'm like, you can't, you can't drink that much. No, you cannot. So you're, you're not taking it to your angry men's club, <laughs> your angry men's book club. I mean, even at angry men book club, like you figure like in some of these pictures, you can't really tell how many angry men there are. It'd be fitting mm-hmm. if there were 12, but there are definitely more. <laughs> um, but 
you know, you figure if each of them drinks the equivalent of a bottle on that night that you host, Mm -hmm. you're only burning through what, like 20, 30 bottles of whatever. So some of these people who have collections have, you know, thousands and thousands of bottles, but like I've (laughs) lizards. (laughs) I had a summer job once where I was the youngest person who worked there by 25 30 years and so they were these ladies took me under their wing they would take me to bars and buy me drinks because i was 20 (laughs) one of them was a wine collector and like very into wine and and i feel like when you get people who are into wine for like they love wine reasons and not showy reasons Mm. you really get those people that are super generous with their wine because whenever she would come places it's not she would but she wouldn't bring really nice wine to show off She'd bring really nice wine because she buys cases and cases of wine. And wine is meant, she's like, wine is meant to be enjoyed and shared. And yes, so some yes. of the, and that, and that's when I got to the point of realizing like she could bring a $50 bottle of wine or a $200 bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And I would get almost the same experience out of it. To be fair, I don't have a very sophisticated palate like this Rudy <laughs> person. But it's like at, at some point there's diminishing returns and it's about spending the money and it's not about the actual right. experience. Here's, so. here's another problem with buying like the lot of wine. Yeah. You gotta have a place to put that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all. That's all I'm that's all I'm saying. You gotta have a place to put it. I mean, it. these people have like fancy ass cellars and stuff. Still, at some point, you're gonna run out of room in your body cellar for <laughs> for wine. I mean it's true. Okay, so then we also meet one of my okay, this is the other person that you don't dislike. This is like Okay. His name is Don Cornwell. His Chiron is Burgundy Enthusiast. And he comes, he comes out with, he has like, um, like the super big, like Coke bottle type glasses. Aww. He's a very like 70s dad look. And he comes out with this little craft box, which I think I actually have the same fucking craft box from like a Kohl's or whatever, where, you know, it's like a cute thing that you're supposed to put like scrap yeah, shit in. yeah. And it's all of his wine labels. That's super cute. How old is this person? He looks like he's maybe early 50s. That's really cute. (laughs) Um, And so he and he's just like, you know, know, these are all my labels and he's flipping through them. And he's just like, sometimes you only really get to taste it once. So you have to like remember it and da 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 like if at all so he meets rudy at an auction because he's trying you know he's a burgundy enthusiast he likes to track down his favorites that kind of burgundy enthusiast yeah and he so he meets rudy through john capon and um he's the guy that wrote about the call girls that it's like Mm, acid mm. like call girls or whatever so he um, sounds like a guy i want to meet no no he doesn't so apparently (laughs) he meets rudy and rudy's like so what is your favorite burgundy? And I'm like, okay, Rudy. And Don's like, well, I like, you know, X, Y, and Z or whatever. And uh, Rudy's like, you should come buy wines with me. And it's like very clear that they are on different levels of living. I mean, this mm. guy has a little craft box for his labels. And yeah. Rudy's buying, you know, thousands yeah. and thousands of bottles of wine. Um, and so then Rudy goes, what's the oldest wine you've ever had? <laughs> oh, God, Rudy. And uh, and none of these things he's saying to be mean. Like, all these people who are being douchey, it's like the kind of unself-aware douchey that just, it's just, oh, my God. So anyway. I mean, they sound like children. 
Oh, but you know exactly it's exactly it's so one-uppy it's like it's all it's like that neighbor kid or whoever that you know like, yeah. actually i did this so rudy yeah. does that so it's like so don's like oh you know i had like this 1960 whatever and then rudy names like five like a 40 this a 20 this a da, 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 and one's up him one one ups him with all of these different vintages and don's like he names some of the best vintages of that type of burgundy like that like that are like in the world i've been looking for those bottles for 25 years she's so been like you got any more bucko <laughs> right like be generous with your wine that way friend that's right so we go back to my man laurent um, laurent and he, he again like we're learning about burgundy and like why it's so special and you like you see at domaine ponceau like he goes into this cave and you see like the vines of the uh you know the the grapevines that have been there for like 200 years and they're like attached to like the rock in this like cave. And he's like, this particular vine like is pulling these particular minerals. If you go 20 yards away, it's going to taste different because it's like, it, that's why it's so special. Humans are only a small part of the chain of wine. It's really about what nature gives you. Da, 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 da. He, but he's so passionate about it that you're just sort of like, no. Um, anyway, I love him. And then our wine writer explains that Burgundy, because of all of that, Burgundy is a wine for wine obsessives. And that's why it's sort of like, it's like the, the flaunty wine. Like, oh, I have this Burgundy because so there's so few wines that can actually be called Burgundy. You know, a Burgundy from here and then 40 yards away is going to taste completely different. Da, 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 da. You know, we see Hollywood Jeff in a wine store. <laughs> And he explains that he loves wine because it's art that becomes a part of you. Ew. Um, And then he comes to, like, the burgundy area of a wine store and he goes, this is my crazy area. And then he picks up a bottle and he goes, yeah, this one's about $20,000. And the sommelier behind him is like, he knows his prices. Hey, you don't pick up a $20,000 bottle of wine, dude. (laughs) Um, and then the sommelier goes, yeah, you just have to decide. Do you want that or do you want a Prius? <laughs> oh, there's so many things wrong with that sentence. Just, there's so many things wrong I with will, that sentence. Like, even if I were to win the lottery tomorrow, I will never relate to money the way these people relate to money. No. Ever. I just, oh my God. Look, a friend gave me a bottle of 19 Crimes for my birthday. Ooh. And it's got Snoop Dogg on the label. And like, look, I can't. That to me might as well be twenty thousand dollars. I'm so excited. I, way back when, um, when I launched, it was one of my first jobs. I launched my first big website, um, and my boss then uh, he asked Ashley, I think, or Amy, like, what's my mm-hmm. favorite type of wine? Back then, I drank Cab Savs, and so like he got me like a fifty dollar bottle of. I, and I just never wanted to oh, like this is the thing I don't understand about good wine. Right. I just never want, I wanted to have an occasion to open it, so I never fucking did. Yeah, it turned into vinegar, and eventually the wine, the the cork just sort of exploded out of it, and it just leaked everywhere. You literally cannot have your cake and eat it too. No, 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 no. So, uh, so then we see footage of Rudy. You know, we really don't look at the price. We look at the you know what we get, the passion, etc. We look at what we get, the passion. You know, like the passion, like what goes into it. And then Jeff said Rudy, Rudy was super generous with wine. And he didn't give any to Don, did he? 
apparently not. Uh, and then uh, Rajat, our sommelier, explains that demand for old fine wine in this dot-com boom era went way up and Burgundy went from affordable, even though it was, you know, this kind of rare tiny band of land, kind of like mm-hmm. Kona Coffee, to unattainable. It was like it was just like Burgundies in general just went like bananas. And he calls it the Rudy era. So he like really transformed this market of wine. So Laurent explains that there was really no connection between the price and what was in the bottle. Like he, as the wine producer, would sell wine bottles like around to like different distributors for a hundred mm-hmm. euros. And then he'd see it released by those people for a thousand euros. And he'd be like the, the fuck? Um, so we see auction. What is the fuck en français? I don't know. F- oh, God, I don't know. Fuck. I know. I only know shit. Mary? Um, so we see that some auction footage of Rudy leaning over to, I assume someone he knows, but either way, this is douchey going like in the catalog going like, I just opened that bottle on Thursday and now I feel bad. Can I refill it and put the cork back in? Foreshadow. Oh, fuck um, off, Rudy. <laughs> Jesus. Foreshadowing. So our journalist, Corey, explains that he was revolutionary in the wine market. He cornered. So he's like, so this is what he was doing with all those bottles of wine. To your question earlier. He was bought up tons and tons of wine, cornered the market, drove mm-hmm. up the prices, and then mm-hmm. was selling lots at these auction houses to make millions of dollars. Okay. And... Okay, get ready for here's it's not really a twist, but it's it's an introduction of a uh, someone that is supposed to be like a, an adversary to Rudy, but you don't want to root for either of them. Okay. So, she's like, "I noticed that at these auctions, there was always someone bidding against Rudy, especially for burgundies. It was the representative for Bill Coke." Uh, 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 yeah, oof, oof. Katie? (laughs) Cut to Palm Beach, Florida, and the tackiest motherfucking mansion I've ever seen in my fucking life. It is so fucking tacky. It is peeing baby statues. Mm -mm. It is just tons of weird, like, baby angels everywhere it's Ew. walls covered in art but like so covered it looks like a t- like a tgi fridays and we- and bill coke is there and he's participating and he's just like Ew. this crazy old man and he explains that like you know he really went bonkers collecting wine he collects sam- samurai swords impressionist oh. impressionist art silver coins from greece antiquities sculpture and he's just sort of like Say like, oh, I collect this, I collect this, and he goes, "Want to see my wine bathroom?" And you go, nope. to a, you go nope. to a bathroom, and it literally is. It's not even like a like big fuck off bathroom. It's just like a little bathroom, and but like the wallpaper's all wine labels, and like the ceiling is all corks, and Ew. it has, and it has one of those walls that I'm sure that you've seen before, where it's like the bottoms of wine bottles, yeah, There's the whole wall, and I'm just Look. like. Look, you have more money than God, and this is what you did. Look, if anyone asks you, do you want to see my wine bathroom? The answer is no. No, it is. If you a run Coke the- brother asks you if you want to see my wine bathroom, you say, fuck no, and you book it out of there, because that man is about to turn your bones into wind chimes. That is his murder room. God. That is code for murder room. So he explains, and I want you to 
every time I say that Bill Cook says anything, I want you to imagine just like he has like a slight shit-eating grit on his face no matter what he's saying. And he's just like, <laughs> like it's very, he's just like, you just want to hate. Like even if you if you didn't know who he was uh-huh. and you just saw him, you'd still fucking hate him. Anyway, so yep. he, ex- he explains that he has 43,000 bottles of wine in his cellar. Um, and he says, with fine wine, you can really taste the love the vintner had for it. And love is priceless. Da, 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 da. Are you going to tell me that there is a Coke brother that says love is priceless? Hey, love is priceless. Just be anything is priceless. Really? <laughs> really, Bill Coke? Okay. So then okay. he takes out four bottles of Thomas Jefferson wine. Not that Thomas Jefferson made wine, but Thomas Jefferson owned wine and, like, inscribed mm-hmm. his name on things. And so, like, buying these bottles is very fancy. Uh, I would like to put out there that there is definitely a, uh Old Leverage episode about a Thomas Jefferson bottle oh. of wine. And I feel I feel like they must have been inspired by this. Anyway. Let me, let me understand this. Like Andy from Toy Story, <laughs> Thomas Jefferson <laughs> would just write his name on everything he owned. Yes. Oh so my God. he pulls he pulls it out and he's just like he's exp- you know he's reading it because it like it writes you know it's just like because it doesn't even have a label at that point right it's like an old ass bottle it's just written on there and like it like it's carved into it and he like he then he talks he pulls out another bottle that's like really differently shaped he's like look at this beautiful bio- bottle and da 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 whoops and, then, and I drop it and then he says you know and this is a Rothschild whatever and then he goes actually the Rothschilds uh, didn't even own Lafitte then. Turns out all of his Thomas Jefferson bottles and this Lafitte bottle are fake. <gasps> but he doesn't know that they're fake. No, he knows. He knows now. Oh. He, calls, he talks about the now he does, but he still has them like around um, because he spent over $100,000 per bottle of Look, that Thomas Jefferson wine. Whoever sold him the forgeries congratulations man fucking good on kiss. you golf on clap you. golf clap should have asked for double so i was like why did you buy it you fucking moron and he talks about the fakers a lot so it's not the forwarders but like he says the fakers which makes you think of like someone saying like oh the fuck haters. the haters yeah <laughs> haters um, and the fakers so we cut back to our girl maureen who's inspecting some wine. She says, the first time I found fake wine, it was uh, the weight of the bottle that gave it away. I went to pick up a bottle, something that I'd picked up many times before, and I almost Mm. threw it through the roof because it was so light. She's like, you look for discrepancies in labels, uh, the right glass, the right cork. Do things match? If these things have been together for like 60 some odd years in a cellar, like things should match. So if, you know, the bottles beat all to hell, but the label is fresh, something's wrong here. And then footage of Rudy... You have to be careful at auctions because they don't know provenance. They just want to sell. Fucking foreshadowing. Like, it's just someone, it's basically someone calling it out being like, just saying in plain sight what they're doing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He makes, and he makes the cork joke again. I have a little star every God time he does that. It. So now we're bringing in John Capon, who is the auctioneer of uh, this house, Acker Merrill Condit. And Rudy is teaming up with John to catalog his massive wine collection and start selling some off and john capon is the son of a family-run store which they say is the oldest wine store in america it's in new york city so rudy really made this auction house because he made uh john started to make these auctions like giant crazy parties like you know he's saying these 
notes such as fucking call girls in Vegas and acids and stuff. Oh. Right. right. So, like, he's making it this bro time and... Um, <laughs> bro time at the wine house. And then Rudy comes along and is selling all of these wine. <laughs> so, between 2003 and 2006, John Capon sells more than $35 million worth of Rudy's wine. Excuse me while I go puke in the corner. And we find out from Maureen that was from two sales. What? Yeah. Two? Yeah. So In three years, I made two sales. And guess I, what? They might have done more, but that 35 million. 35 mil. Like thing was two specific sales. Jesus. So she explains that when Rudy was just a little geeky kid drinking California Merlot, Acker Merrill Condit, which is just a small little family shop. Um, they've been there forever, but they're still pretty small. Was it the last place of like sales of all the auction houses? Because apparently this there's a ranking somewhere. And then in 2006, they do that those that 35 million dollar two sales. They are now the top auction house in the world, and they become the first auction house to sell a hundred million dollars worth of wine in a year. Unreal. And Rudy represented 33.33 percent of the hundred million. So, cut back to Bill Koch. Uh, you know, he's reading all these descriptions that John Capon is writing about Rudy's wine, where it's like a wine collector's dream. Rudy's a collector that really inspects and knows his wine. Mm-hmm. And Bill's like, maybe I should buy that man's entire cellar. <laughs> you know, maybe John. You should fuck off. <laughs> John Capon starts going on the like he gets started interviewing on the being interviewed on the news and on like financial shows and things like that because they're explaining that like wine is now like a top investment item. You know, and he explains that, like, you know, wine's always going to appreciate in value because people drink it. And now there's less of that type of wine forever. Right. So if you have like a 1945 whatever and there's only 10 bottles of it and someone drinks a bottle, now the ten, nine remaining bottles are way more expensive and blah, 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 blah. I mean, supply and demand. Am yeah. I right or am I right? And Hollywood Jeff explains that they were selling massive amounts of wine. So how could John inspect every bottle? Which is true, but that also be that doesn't mean it's okay that John said he inspected every bottle when he did. Right, right, right. Yeah. So Coke is like, uh, the fakers like to fake, and he just said fakers. You know, the fakers like to fake really old wine because it's higher in price. And I'm like, no shit, Grandpa. The fakers like to fake, 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 fake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Coke has this investigator. His name is Brad Goldstein. He's going to be a main character for the rest of the time. He he calls him my bulldog investigator. Oh, good God. Found out that he had paid $25,000 for a magnum of 1921 Petrus. Petrus didn't make magnums in 1921. So he just bought this. Like, don't you find that, like, investigate that. Before, before you buy it can someone save bill coke from himself i'm <laughs> guessing the answer must be no based no. off of his buying history here so we meet brad goldstein who is an investigator uh he has a very needy dog that he did not lock away for this whole thing and uh so the dog percy he's like percy calm down and like he will start <laughs> that's funny. so bill tells brad to find out how deep 
the problem is in his cellar. Like, find all the fakes, figure it out. Oh. Like, um, so they hire all these experts. I mean, they found Elmer's glue on a bottle from 1858. Uh, so he finds over 400 fake, prov- 400 proven fake bottles, um, which for which he paid over $4 million in his wine cellar. Can, can you please save rich people from themselves? Lord, I beseech you. Right? Bill Coke, Bill Coke goes to the auction houses and goes, you sold me shit. And they're like, tough shit, motherfucker. And Did you read the fine print? I guess not. They're like, you bought it as is, motherfucker. Bye. Uh-huh. And so he gets pissed. <laughs> um, and so he's like, I'm going to fucking figure this out. So he knew some of those fake bottles came from. Is that what he said? I'm going to fucking figure this. That is so defeatist. Direct quote. Uh, yeah. So he knew some of his fake bottles came from ACM. So he's, I'm, he's, and he knows that a lot of ACM's bottles are Rudy's. So he sends Goldstein to look into Uh-oh. it. Uh oh. Percy, sick him. <laughs> Percy, get uh, him. And like he's like he's literally like, do you want to go talk to mommy? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you're in a movie. Put the dog away. No, Percy is very emotionally needy. He has anxiety issues. He can't be put away. So God, Katie, back with my boy Laurent. Mm-hmm. He opens a twenty uh, two thousand eight. This is when the shit goes down. Acker Merrill Condit uh, catalog. And he opens to a page uh, that's uh, offering a whole lot of uh, Domaine Ponceau, so his uh, winery. There's all these, like, full-spread pictures, beautiful close-ups of the bottles. Mm. I cannot I cannot emphasize enough how shitty this uh, catalog is laid out. It looks like fucking Word with, like, the oh, fucking man. border. Uh... It's – as a graphic designer, I was – like just like like you're making all this money you can't fucking figure no. out anyway that's overhead who cares the wine sells could, itself i know it was 2008 but you could have definitely done better than that anyway so he shows this picture and it shows a 1929 Claude de la roche and he goes yeah we started making that in 34 so that's oh. fake and he's like and it's like the star picture and he shows all these other pictures he's like this is fake this is fake he's like we never use that kind of wax we never sold anything to a distributor named nicola which was on like the little distributor oh, label. he's like we, we never had this vintage printed on this label it's advertising like this type of wine from 45 49 blah blah blah, blah. we didn't start making it until 82 like this is bullshit and he's like look and it says every description it's like inspected by jk John Capon. I was going to say, goes, JK, JK, JK. <laughs> and it says, how can an auctioneer rate his own wine? And he's like, well, you know, he could be an expert on his own wine costing fifty to $70,000 a bottle because he earns 20% on it. Like, of course he's going to say it's like 99 points and so great. So mm. then he says, when you, fi- when you find fake wine, uh, it's dirt on the integrity of Burgundy. It and is. I wanted And I wanted to wash it. And I was like. <gasps> Stain on the soul of wine itself. On Burgundy. And so he flies to to NYC. He goes to this auction that the catalog is for. And he just walks it. And so, you know, Jay McInerney, who's our writer, he said he was there. It was a big wild affair. Like, John Capon had to keep going, like, shut the fuck up. Like, and like, that's actual quote. Like, when like, guys, like, gavel, 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 shut the fuck up. Because everyone's getting super buzzed on really nice wine and all these things. Um, and so Jay sees, he's like, 
I saw Laurent Ponceau come in and I recognized him and he was just sitting in the back like all silent. And then he stands up and he goes, you need to withdraw my wine. Like a hush. Whoa, ball. damn, Laurent. Yeah, right? Like fucking baller damn. move. Damn, seriously. He, he, he meets with John Capon and is like, where the fuck do you get this wine? Of course, he wouldn't say that he's much too classy. Mm. And so he meets Rudy. And all the shots of Laurent in the big city are so fucking cute. Oh. He's just walking around. Like, he's from this little French village. He's just yeah. walking around. Wait, how he's old is Laurent? How old is Laurent's he? probably in his late 50s. Like, he's okay. like silver fox. Okay. Like, yeah, Was he yeah, carrying yeah. around a baguette? Was he wearing a <laughs> No, a very, a very nice suit. Of like, course very... he was. He's probably a very he dapper who... gentleman. He knows what's up. So they go to Jean-Georges to meet Rudy. And he's like, at this point, he's just sort of like, I don't know if he's like, he knows what he did or he doesn't know. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to find out like where he got this wine. I'm trying to sure. track it down. So he doesn't think Rudy's nefarious at this point, right? So he goes, either he didn't know that he had this bad wine. Right. Or he did know and wanted to sell it anyway. And he goes, and this is not nice. God, Laurent, it's true. This is not nice. This is not nice. Um, this is not nice. It's, it, in fact, it is the fucked up. So he's like, hey, where'd you get this wine? Rudy's like, you know, I buy so much wine. I really will have to check. And, da, 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 da. and Laurent's like, so do it. Bullshit. 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 Nice. Nice. And then, he, and then he goes, I decided I would become his best friend. And then he would talk to me. <laughs> Back to Brad and his dog. They team up with a former CIA agent. They like Brad and his dog. They're like tracking all his immigration status down. Like apparently Rudy's in the country illegally because he came he came on a student visa. I don't know why I gasped at that. (laughs) Okay. Long Uh... since expired. Uh, So there's a warrant out for his arrest because he's long overstated his welcome. Uh, And he's some some okay and. People were saying they didn't know where he got his money from because he wasn't working. Was that right? It wasn't well, like yeah, he was just, some big shot in Silicon Valley or something. Right. They just, they just assumed he was a trust fund, maybe. And he's living in California? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, but, and it's the type of thing where he can't leave because then they'll look and see his visas expired and he can't come back. So it's right, just basically like, right, but as right. long as he stays in there and he doesn't like get in trouble. Right. And but he's going back and forth to New York for these auctions. He's... I mean, he's going all around for these auctions. I mean, the, the auction house is in New York, and I think he goes to them, and he's okay. going around to these different angry men things, but I don't oh, know if right. these are all in California. <laughs> so they're like, um, okay, trust fund, baby, fine. In the country, illegally overstayed his student visa, never renewed, never left. Interesting. So Brad's running down this this line of thing of like, okay, well, on his like visa application, they uh, they put, you know, some business address in jakarta let's look that uh-huh. up uh-huh. it's a it's a strip mall that is. has like a hardware store that and like he you know they're like have you ever heard of this guy and they're like no <laughs> so finally so laurent is going emailing back and forth with rudy and eventually rudy's like oh i i got all the wine i, fi- I finally figured it out for you this is like months later mm-hmm. i got i got it from mr pock pack hendra uh and laurent's like cool so he goes, so Laurent goes to LA, has dinner with Rudy. He's like, tell me the truth. I want to look at you eyes to eyes. And he keeps saying that. Eyes to eyes. <laughs> eyes to eyes. <laughs> awesome. um, tell eyes me the truth. Eyes. Who? 
who is Pak Hendra? And Rudy's like, he's a, this is, there's footage of this. He's a great guy, great palate, been drinking 20 to 30 years. And I'm like, I hope I get described like that someday. I mean, she's nice. She's been drinking a while. A <laughs> <laughs> great palate. Man, that, that lady's got a great palate on her. In the footage, it is just so obvious he's lying. And like, yes, I know, like, we know that he's mm-hmm, about, you know, he's mm-hmm. going to go to jail for this or whatever. But like, it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, he's pretty good. He's a nice guy. Like, it's like not real details that you would tell about a real person. No, that's not how you describe a person. No. <laughs> and then uh, he gives Laurent two, two phone numbers to talk to Mr. Pakendra. One is a fax machine. Oh, no. One, one has no answer. And Laurent's like... Fuck this! I'm so Wait, pissed. Wait, did Laurent call the numbers in front of him? No, he like uh, when he's, he he was just like, oh, thanks, okay, bye, bye, friend, bye, best friend. Yeah, what were his emails like? Hey, just thinking about you. XOXO. Oh, Ru- Rudy doesn't use capital letters in his emails. I'm letting the silence sit there for a little while. What? So apparently, this is where our our, our things converge because Brad hears that Rudy's meeting with Laurent mm-hmm. and the CIA officer like finds out like hey he got these numbers one so the fax machine was a fax machine at lion air which is the largest indonesian airline nice and one was a number to one of the buildings in this strip mall in jakarta and he's like keeps going back to strip mall like that one and it's jalan gajamata is the name of it and it's like that keeps coming back they keep finding ties to this jalan gajamata um but no one and the strip mall has ever heard of Rudy or his family. Laurent goes back to Domaine Ponceau. It's harvest time. He's got to focus on the harvest. But then Look, he's back fuckers. On the- I, got a, I got a business to run. I got wine to make. I got real wine to make. Uh, so, yeah. So, after harvest, he's back on the trail. He goes to Hong Kong. He goes to Singapore. He Dang. goes to Taipei. Because Dang. he's like, the people in Jakarta who are going, like, the super rich people in Jakarta uh-huh. who are going to vacation and go have fun, they're going to Singapore. They're going oh. to they're going to Taipei. So he goes and he talks to them. He knows them and he's like he's like, hey guys. And they're like, Yeah, uh, by the way, Pac means Mr. And Hendra is like Smith. So he told, gave you basically the name uh, Mr. Smith. Uh, also, um can we expand our podcast so that we can have Laurent be the third? Uh, I love him so much. He's so good. I would do it. Eyes to eyes. Eyes to eyes. Eyes to eyes. So he's like, so who is this guy? Like, what the fuck? But like, so who is Rudy? You know? Mm-hmm. I, that's. The, I mean, my accents are bad, but you get it. No, so. the, I, they're beautiful. I love it. So even after like no one, like he finds out like Pakendra is a fake name and he's just basically uh-huh. like, uh-huh. Huh? like how, like he cannot believe that someone just lied eyes to eyes with him, right? Like, I would never lie eyes to eyes to the wrong. And so then he's all like, so do you know about like a family of like beer importers that has like a wine obsessed son that's living in the States? And they're like, no. The fuck? And you figure, and like, the, so these are these elites from Jakarta are like, we have no idea who you're fucking talking mm-hmm. about. So he's like, so who is he? And then we get like some backstory from uh, Sarkisian and Hollywood Jeff going like, oh, I've spent like holidays with him and his mother and I've met his brother, Dar. What? His brother's name is Dar. And like, I spent Chris. You're going to name one child Rudy and the other one Dar? Dar Saputra. And it's like his brother is like the older business like one. And so they're like, yeah, you know, he lives on an allowance from his brother and like da 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 da. And I've met them and it was so nice and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So now we need an FBI agent. His okay. name is James Wynn. 
He spent 20, 30 years at the FBI. 26 of those years were in the theft of art and art fraud. Ooh. And he's, and he's like, I got started on this. I had to read the idiot's guide to French wine. Cause I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> he's like, but it's basically a financial crime. And I know financial crime. Nice. Um, and he's like, he looks into Rudy and he's like, he's got this never ending list of needs, like lots of cars, mansion in Bel Air, contemporary art, Gen X, great Gatsby shit, like mm-hmm. just tons of mm-hmm. stuff. But he cannot establish literally any of Rudy's mythos around him to be in any way true. I'm glad it took someone from the FBI or the CIA to figure this out. Good. Right? Good, good, good. And then, good. And he's like, he's like, actually, what I can see from his financials is that Rudy was actually desperate for money and was like borrowing from some people to get like pay off other people oh, yeah, yeah. and all of these things. He got a bunch of lines of credit and mostly he was getting money as advances from auction houses. So like Agrimero Condit would give him, he was up to, he was obligated to them for $10 million at one point. Damn. Of just like, so they would give him like a million dollars so that the next time he sold wine, they would come to him, like those kind of advances. How? And, How? Yeah, it's just, it's bonkers. At this point, he's having trouble selling his wine, though, because of Laurent's big, like, this Oh, I withdraw thing. my wine. Right. Ice to ice. Um, so he's trying to find people, like, eight, like, Acromero Condit and John Capon are no longer at least publicly selling it. He's trying to find other ways to sell it, but people are doing it. Like, he, he you know, uh, Don Cornwell is, like, going on his computer, and he's like, look at these, all these fake labels, and he, like, sees it, like, like at one point, Christie's in 2009 was going to sell some of his wine. He's like, what the fuck? In 2012, um, there was a Spectrum and Vanquish catalog, and he looked at, like, the pictures, and he's like, yeah, this is fucking Rudy's wine. So he published on a blog called Wine Berserkers. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Wine Berserkers, the world's largest and most active online wine community. Like, urgent warning, Rudy's trying to sell his wine again. And this went, like, super viral, gets attention of the FBI, da-da-da-da. He looks at this, so the FBI goes and he, they look at this fucking label. Yeah. Like, these pictures in the Spectrum and Vanquish catalog. Because Spectrum is all like, yeah, we're going to still sell <gasps> it. Like, and we're not, what? and they're like... One, we don't acknowledge where this came from, so they're not admitting that it's Rudy's wine. And two, they're all like, fuck you, we're still going to sell it. So the FBI looks at this fucking label, uh-huh. and there's a label of uh, an importer, and it says Percy Fox, and it has like, it's very oldie timey looking, mm-hmm. has the address of the importer. This shit is misspelled. <gasps> Instead of 32 Sackville Street, it's Sackville. So instead of Ville, V-I-L-L-E, it's V-I-L-E. Look, he was drinking too much of his fake wine when he was making the labels, okay? If you're, if you're going to do crime, proofread that right, shit. Right, do it well. Do the crime tattoo well. That, tattoo that on my arm. Proofread that yo shit. shit. So <laughs> they're starting to close in. I promise we're wrapping up. So they're starting to close in. March 2012. FBI agents are calling Hollywood Jeff as a close known associate of Rudy. Jeff's like, he couldn't do this. Not like, I just don't think in my heart he could. He's do like, this. he's not he's smart like, enough to do this. Is that what he was saying? Yeah. He was saying, like, he's like, he couldn't do this. And then, like, after the FBI agents talk to Hollywood Jeff, Hollywood Jeff immediately calls Rudy to be like, yo, dude, the FBI's coming after of you. Of course. And Rudy goes, don't worry, dude. I have everything under control. Uh-oh. That is the quote, the direct Don't quote that Hollywood dude, just I says. I have everything under control. I have everything okay, under control. Okay, one thought before you move on. Yes. My sincere hope and desire is that when the FBI 
starts calling my known associates. They're not like, there's no way she could do this. She's too dumb. Hopefully, it's just she's too nice of a person. She's such a kind-hearted person. She gives back to the kids. She would never. Oh, never. Never. Not like, oh, he couldn't do that. I mean, if the FBI called me about you, I would WhatsApp you or something, or at least at least super husband to be like, right. I, I mean, I would I would give you a, I would I would do what Hollywood. Oh Jeff hell did. yeah! Oh hell yeah! No no, I would expect that, give but you just a heads up. I would just also hope that you wouldn't be like, <laughs> she's too stupid to do that shit. So we'll get into what like his exact mm. reasonings once we get after the raid. She calls so, she calls koozies scrunchies. Okay, there's just no fucking way. I'm. I'm calling Koozie Scrunchies forever now, much like we call Harris Teeter Adolf Tipperman. Thank like, you. It's forever. Thank you. It's forever. It's re- the rebrand has the occurred. Re- Taking it back. So, it back. March 2012. March 5th or 8th? My handwriting is bad. Early March 2012. All right. So they, they go. they And so John Wynn is running it down. He's like, we knock and announce. We knock and announce. We knock and announce. There's no answer. Someone goes, get the ram. And then finally, Rudy they answers got the door. got the like, ram? But like... Before they oh, use it, Rudy it. answers the door and it's like, they said he looks like he just got out of bed. I'm just like, that is some horseshit. Okay. But like, if the FBI is knocking on your door, you don't not hear them. I don't care oh, how big your fucking house is. That's literally so, one of their jobs. Like, no, you're going to hear them. Rudy answers the door, yeah. looks like he just got out of bed. Yeah. And here is what they find in his house. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay, tell me, tell me, tell me. Although before I launch into this, I do want to <laughs> note, they don't mention that they find his mother. And I want to know who these people that J- Hollywood Jeff and Sarkissian spent these holidays with. Do you think he like, hired these... people? Do you think he hired people? I don't. I don't Rent know. A family? We never. I have no idea. Anyway, huh. that's that's a mis- That's a mystery. That um, so they here's what they find in the house. The house is full of wine. Obviously, there's wine fucking everywhere. Uh, the kitchen is just full. There's a gigantic wine fridge. All of these things. Um, the kitchen itself is like the epicenter of everything. It's full of labels. Bottles are soaking to soak the labels off. A cork extractor. There's a recorking device. There's a mixing device. Mm. A ta- and a table full of California wines. <laughs> uh, notes and formulas for what to mix. Thousands of real labels and fake labels. James Wing goes, as an FBI agent, if I were to name 10 things I'd want in a search... This was 10 times 10 times 10 to infinity. <laughs> Look, keep your criminal operations to a third location, everybody. Not your kitchen. Like, it was just every, like, the house looked, it wasn't hoarders times a thousand. Um, it was, but it, it was just, shit was everywhere. Criminal it, operations. It, what, did he have a wine bathroom? I <laughs> I doubt it. Who could have uh, such a special? Only, only one and of the Koch beautiful. brothers could do that. My God. So, damn. Uh, cut to Je- cut to Hollywood Jeff. I don't know what all that stuff was doing there. It's odd, right? Because he's definitely not smart enough to be pulling off a, a, a con this big. No way. I was like, my dude, read the writing on the wall. He's my dumb, and rich like, drinking buddy. He's an angry man. There's no way he could betray the bro code of the angry men. I mean, I love you. And if they found all this shit in your house, I would go, I think M.M. was doing crime. I don't think I'd be like, how? I wouldn't be like, how's that? What's that stuff doing there? I'd be like, guess she was doing some crime. Well, that's a thinker. (laughs) 
What? How did it get there? So yeah. So he literally says oh, they just. He literally says they just found stuff. Uh, not the not printing presses. Printing presses. What printing what press? Ear is Gutenberg's this? Bible was not present. So not not things to print the labels, not things to make the wax caps, no means of production. They just found stuff. What is it doing there? Is he looking at it? What do you is mean no means of production? You don't got to produce nothing. You're mixing and matching. But I just, I just like the, Damn, is, he, is he looking at it? Is, Did he just have it there to look at this it? This is like Blue's Clues. <laughs> this is, no, no idea. This is, this is like my parents finding some weed in Brett's bedroom. Sorry to blow up your spot, Brett. Uh, and going, and Brett going like, I'm holding it for a friend. <laughs> like, Wait, Brett did, I just, didn't try I was just oregano? Lo- I was just looking at it. I was just looking I at just, it. I just, I just, it's so beautiful. Well, it's almost as bad as your mom saying she liked the flowers, right? Oh my God. So, <laughs> so meanwhile, Sarkissian is also like, I couldn't believe it. Like everyone was calling me because like. Like, again, like, if you were doing crime, I would expect, like, maybe Lizard Amy yeah. would call me yeah. and be like, did you hear that M.M. was doing some crimes? Um, so, okay, so here is Jeff's reasoning, Hollywood Jeff's reasoning oh, for no. why he can't do oh, it. Oh, no. You don't. He's, AD, he's ADD. Stop. He can't do intensive arts and crafts. Arts and crafts? Is that what we're calling crime now? Arts and I crafts? I don't believe he could, he could focus long enough to do something so intricate. Anyway, no one else so, can see the look I'm giving you. What? Arts and crafts? Rudy is charged and taken to a detention center in NYC. For arts and, and crafts violations. For arts and crafts violations. And because he's a flight risk, no bail. Of course. Well, good. I shouldn't say of course, because you never know. But good. No. So, now we meet his defense attorneys, which are the most New York Jersey people. So, were these, these on- public defenders? No. Did the angry men chip in to like pay for his? No, definitely not. They like I looked into them? both. I I looked into both of them, and they both are like in like their own sort of law firms. Like Jerome Mooney is like if you look at their website, it's hilariously old school still. Nice. Um, uh, it looks like it was made on GeoCities, but like Jerome Mooney's uh, firm is like Weston Garo and Mooney, and then like Vincent. Verderamo is from Verderamo and Verderamo in New Jersey. I'm shaking my head. No one can see. Oh my god. Anyway, so Jerome, like everything Jerome. out of Jerome Jerome Mooney's mouth is very like you can tell even he doesn't believe it. Like Forget he's sort of glancing it. off to the side a lot, and it's just sort of so. At first, he goes, you know, I, th- I think he was doing some reconditioning, and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And later. Later, they kind of explain, like, oh, he, you know, if, if he really loved wine, he wanted the bottles to look better. Okay. So this is, like, the lady in Spain who was reconditioning <laughs> the painting, right? Of Jesus, and he looked like yes. a hedgehog potato. Yes. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. Ruthie's doing to these bottles, by soaking them, uncorking yeah, and them, then... and recorking them. Okay. And then what he says is, if you can, you know, you have these people going, like, oh, this is the best wine ever. If you can make something taste like that best wine ever why wouldn't you recreate that experience you know he's just he's just a the good, real a crime good here is the fact that people aren't tasting this wine because this man is in jail the real the real crime are all the crimes we committed oh. along the way oh wait here's a, here's another great line from jerome you know we're all insecure oh sh- 
Jerome. And, you know, he wants to be a part of this group. And there's, you know, there are these rich, influential people. You really want to live up to everyone's expectations. Mm, Peer pressure is so hard for middle-aged men. You know? Um, So anyway. I'd like to build coke about that and see what he thinks. He also explains, and this is actually a good point. So points to Jerome. They only found materials for, you know, not thousands and thousands and thousands, you know, the 15,000 bottles or whatever that he is selling to ACM, right? They only found enough materials to make some. Like, how could he be? He could not have done that all. Like, everything they're accusing him of in that home setup. Like, it's not a big enough production. But to Jerome's point and the point of all the other investigators are saying, like, so he had accomplices. (laughs) So what you're saying here is... (laughs) He wasn't doing it himself. Like, okay. So (laughs) So what you're saying is he's the ringleader. (laughs) Right. So, or like, or is he like, is he carrying this out like for his family or whatever? So. It doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the best scenes of the entire thing, Hollywood Jeff is, and David uh, Fredston, who leaves the car they're in. With an open bottle of wine and a full glass of wine. And he's just, you know, never not drinking. So he brings a 1985 Cote Retide La Moulin, which apparently is a famous type of wine. Oh, well, I mean, I've got five right in my shelf here. So, and it it came from Rudy's auction, like the big fuck off auction Uh where like Laurent Pulso, like whatever. So, and he'll see like, you know, Rudy, I got this from that auction. You'll see it's, they keep seeing, oh, it's so real. It's very real. It's so very real. real. And he'll say, you know, it's fantastic. Everyone's going to see that. I mean, it's still in corked. Like it's not, he has not tried this wine, but he's like, you'll see. And like, we should all have friends that believe in us this hard. But Aww, Jesus Christ. True. <laughs> um, he's like, it's fantastic. Everyone will see that. You know, I really think that 90% of Rudy's wines were real. I think that 90% of his wines were real. Okay. So mm-hmm. let's ignore the let's ignore the fact that some were fake and that he was doing crimes. Uh, Most of them were real. Most of them were great. So they go to lunch, uh, and it's Jeff, it's David, some third dude that I think is also an angry man. And they're saying that he was so generous. Oh my god, mostly real wine, I think. This is a rare, perfect wine. And they're trying it. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's so real. It's so real. So real. And then Jeff is eating the food that they have at this lunch with his fingers. And David goes, you want to use a fork since we're on camera? Oh, geez. And he's like, no, this food is real. So real. I Well, and then Jeff's like, no, nah, I'm fine. So anyway. <laughs> oh, God. Hollywood Jeff. So they meet some others at a wine store. And, like, they're having other people try it. And, like, the... I guess a sommelier working in the wine store is like, yeah, some woman that they give it to is like, yeah, I think she also worked there. They give it to this guy, Christian, who they don't explain who this is. But Christian's like, this is garbage. <laughs> and they're like, huh? And he's like, I know that wine that year very well. This is not even close. Oh. This tastes like skunk juice. This is garbage. Did he actually say skunk juice? Yes. Wow, skunk juice. And, they're, and like Jeff and David are just like, Okay. <laughs> and and then Christian goes, how much Rudy wine do you have? And then Jeff's like, I don't know, like six bottles. And then David jokes like 6,000 bottles. Oh, anyway. Lord. So we meet Jason Hernandez, uh, who's a federal prosecutor for the Southern District of New York. I say it like that because of that SNL sketch. Which one? 
uh, the one that's like, oh, the, the professor's Hernandez. Oh. And they're like, and they eat lamb shanks. Yes, in the, in the, in the um, hot tub. Is that the professor's Virginia and Roger Clavin? Oh, oh what, what a, a surprise! surprise! It's our dear friend, Barbara Hernandez. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> Barbara, what brings you to the prestigious Welshley Arms? The usual. Quiet strolls, family-style dining, archery. Well, please join us in the hot tub. Uh, but yeah, so whenever I see Hernandez, I'm always like, Hernandez. Anyway, sorry. So Jason Hernandez. Um, and he's like, if you believe that Rudy was... Just, so this is how they explain the reconditioning. Okay. If you believe that Rudy was just trying to recondition bottles and make them nicer, you believe in Santa. Like, I don't know what to tell you. So Jim uh, Jim Wynn gets Jason involved. Jason's like, I think we can bring a prosecution here. There's so much evidence. Yeah. Like, they find they find evidence of Rudy buying, like, just a paper trail of him buying thousands of dollars worth of wax paper known for its antique He's properties. Smarter, Rudy. He's smarter. He would go to restaurants and ask them for their wine bottles. Oh, fuck off. And like for a photo shoot or like the other uh the other um excuse he'd give is that he was creating a like a wine museum. So he would need like to copies of labels hey, and things like Katie, that. Katie, um hey. I need you to send me all your wine. For for my museum. Yeah, because I'm actually gonna build a wine museum. Yeah. So, yeah. so they see, like, he he has scanned thousands and thousands of labels. He was printing them on a huge printer in his house. So there's your means of production, Hollywood So Jeff. he would scan in the nice labels and just print them off on a printer. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. And so now Maureen is also on the case now, um, and she's, like, helping them investigate. And she's just like, you know, I can show you the exact trail of, like, there is the template. He printed this. He put it here. That's mm-hmm. that template on that bottle. That is a Rudy wine and it is fake. Like she's like, I can show you that. Rudy wine. And Rudy. then they're they're also saying, like, you know, he faked some people who should not be able to be faked on a lot of this. So he's they're just like, you know, he was very good at the crime he was doing. And like Was he good at game. it or was it just the bros don't wanna get called out in That's- front of other bros? That mm. is another reason that they say that, like, people are probably not coming forward because they don't want to look like they've been fooled. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So Ugh. we back to Laurent, Laurent looking at some of these for- forgeries. And he's like, this one's actually really well done. But, like, you can kind of see, like, that the, the dirt, like, kind of stops at, like, a hard edge. Oh. So it's like they – like, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. he's like, they did an okay job. But, like, you know, you can tell it here. And – but then he starts to say, he also sort of backs them up of, you figure, it takes probably about an hour to for, like to accurately yeah. well forge one bottle. If he's selling 15,000 bottles, right. 15,000 hours for one person doesn't make any sense. So like what yeah. else is going on? So then we got, so Brad is saying like, okay, so that we think it's a family affair maybe somehow. Um, a lot of the paper he was ordering was from Indonesia. A lot of, he was sending a lot of money to Indonesia. One year he wired $17 million to Indonesia. $17 million? He just wired $17 million. To his brothers in Indonesia. He's because he's got two. He's got Dar and he's got Teddy. Um, so <laughs> Rudy, Teddy, and Dar. Okay. Wait, wait, wait till we get why their names are now. Oh, so, please. I can't wait. So Jason, our, uh, Jason Hernandez, Hernandez is saying, you know, no tub. one knew this, no one knew the source of his wealth or his background, but he did operate under other names, which, you know, is something an innocent person totally does. Yeah. So sometimes he would operate under his mother's name. You know, he had like a couple aliases. 
And he's like, oh, yeah, and by the way, Rudy Kurniawan and Dar Saputra are both names of famous Indonesian badminton players. Uh, badminton players it's like famous ones of it's like, all the yeah, sports name... but it's also sort of like yeah okay so i'm just gonna pick some famous sports figures from my country it's like yes hi my name is michael phelps yes hi my name is simone biles well like, it shows you just you know? like how fucking dumb everybody here is about anything that happens outside of our borders but also badminton so Jerome, the lawyer, says, oh, his father gave him that name because it's Indonesian. And since Rudy is of Chinese descent, at one point it was dangerous to be of Chinese descent in Indonesia. So they wanted to give him an Indonesian name, whatever. And he says, literally, this is, again, nothing he says sounds like it could be real. The family has a number of business interests and they have been successful. Uh-huh. That's where no one can find them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, they're very reserved about talking about the family. Oh, sure they are. Mm-hmm. I would do that too if my family was full of criminals. Anyway, yeah. so. You don't go against the family. So Brad, our bulldog investigator. Yes. I'm so upset that he's an employee of Coke, but he's a cool dude with his cool dog. Anyway, so he tracks him from his Indonesian ID card and then finds his mother, his father, the two brothers, finds their Facebook profiles. Oh. They're all spending tons of money and not really trying to hide it. Oh. So he starts getting apparently other tips and everything like that. That like, So basically what boils down to is that the mother has two brothers and both of those brothers are were involved in some of the largest financial crimes in Indonesian history. Oh, crime family. Eddie Tansel, one of Rudy's uncles, uh, is a fugitive in China who broke out of prison after he was uh, caught after the largest bank heist ever in Jakarta, where he stole $565 million. What? And uh, the other brother... Um, Hendra Raharja, which I'm like, oh, Pak Hendra? Is that where he mm-hmm. got that fake name yeah. that he gave to Laurent? In corporate fraud terms, uh, stole $670 million from the bank where he worked and fled to Australia. $670 million? These people don't play. These people don't play. Hendra also com- uh, says he owns, the, like, it's claimed that he owns that strip mall. And, like... Uh. There you go. I thought you were going to say he owns Australia. I was going to say, yep. Oh, yeah. I bet he, he does. He owns Australia now, too. Um, of the millions stolen by these brothers, less than a tenth has been recovered by uh, authorities. And there's a little clip of someone, like, probably from Interpol or something like that, saying that, like, yeah, we believe some of the assets are overseas. Probably meaning Rudy. Damn. So, Rudy goes on trial. Laurent. Is like, there's no way I'm missing this. Mm-hmm. Flies to the trial in the Southern District of New York. Love it. Because he wants to look him eyes into eyes. Eyes to eyes, yeah. And uh, show that uh, he, know, like, he, Laurent, knows what Rudy has done. And he says, because he's a good person, he's like, this is not about, like, oh, I want to send someone to jail. It's just so important for Burgundy. Oh, it's not for me. It's for Burgundy. It's for wine. And if Rudy goes free... After all of this, I cannot believe in anything else anymore <gasps> in life. Don't break this man. Don't break his spirit. So Laurent testifies. Mm-hmm. He's very nervous about testifying Aww. in English because he's French, even though his French, his English the entire time is perfect. Aww. It's just very cutely yeah. ha, 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 ha. accented. 
Rudy pleads not guilty, which I think is one of the most funny things. And Laurent is saying stuff like, it's never something that you like when you see someone on the ground. Like, so he doesn't, like, he feels bad. And at one point he does say that he makes eyes into eyes, with their <laughs> eyes finally meet with Rudy. And Rudy apparently gives him a little smile and a nod. And he's like, it was bizarre, but I guess it's good. Oh, eyes into eyes. And the press starts calling Laurent uh, the Sherlock Holmes of French wine. Oh, that's down. hot. That's hot, Laurent. So, Rudy is found guilty. He becomes the first person convicted in the U.S. for wine fraud. And the news report that they show announcing this goes, he will be bottled up in jail. Damn! <laughs> I was like, you couldn't resist, could you? Oh, my God. For how long? Um, what was his sentence? Ten, ten years. So, when does he do Which, out? Oh, he's out. He's already uh, out. So, uh, um, I'll, I'll give you a postmortem. Okay, anyway. please. Uh... So he is sentenced to 10 years and he has to pay 28.4 million to his victims. It's no big when your uncles have already stolen like 1.5 billion dollars. Basically. Uh, so the interview, like they, you know, they show them interviewing the lawyers outside the courthouse and Jerome says he's really surprised at the sentence. <laughs> oh, sure, Jerome. Okay. Basically, basically just saying that he's surprised it was so long, which like, yeah, I guess, I guess with these kinds of like financial white collar type like is it really, really white don't... collar though? I mean, not really. But like, like I guess, like an art crime or something like that. Like you don't ex- like when you have people killing people. This is like a whole. And they're getting less. This is like a whole conspiracy. Like, uh, okay, agreed. You should be getting way more if somebody kills somebody. However, this isn't like I cook some books, right? <laughs> this is this is not this is not like oops, I embezzled Whoop. ten bucks. Whoopsies. Uh, um, so apparently Rudy had said to the judge, I apologize, wine became my life and I got lost in it. So oops, I had this whole no. Fro- no. <laughs> forgery thing. Um, so uh, one of the lawyers says to Maureen, I have organized crime cases, the New Jersey one, obviously. obviously. I have I have organized crime cases with dead bodies that get less time. Um, and Maureen says to the news as well, you know, he didn't profit from this as much as some others and those people who are out there living large, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and she says she says drink drinking good wine and living large. And like of course she brings it back to the wine. That's my girl. Jason Hernandez is like you know they want us to prosecute other people, but you know you really need the overwhelming evidence. You can't just show that the person sold bad wine right. or fake wine. It's got to also show that they intentionally did it. Vinny, our New Jersey guy, says you know it was musical chairs. Rudy was left standing. Uh... Musical chairs in a game for one. I mean, I mean. Laurent wraps up his role here and he goes, you know, I could keep finding fakers. I could keep doing this, but I'm going to stop and focus on my job again, which is producing authentic wine. Nice. And we go to Domaine Ponceau and it shows like an end of the season celebration where he's like giving a big speech to all the like the great pickers and everything like that. And they're having a nice little dinner. And he goes, you know. I've been honored to be this the conductor of this process, but I am nothing without my musicians. Aww. And it's all it's this very sweet thing. 
Uh, and this is juxtaposed with shots of a waste disposal facility in Texas where they are destroying oh, shit. all the fake wine. Oh, shit. So apparently they only have 500 confirmed fake bottles and they destroyed all of those because like they have to confirm yeah. that it's fake, right? So this wraps up with people saying it might take years, decades, or never to really filter out all of his fake wine. Um, they think up to 10,000 bottles are still in, like, Jesus. private collections and, like, people selling them to each other. Just check them. Bill Koch's uh, wine cellar because he buys all the fakes. Just go you check know? it out. And then they do say that uh, John Capon, to his mm -hmm. credit, if someone th thinks something is fishy about something that they bought at ACM, he is refunded them and taken it back okay. and things like that so at least that he's being okay bill coke is like i don't even look <sighs> at catalogs anymore like we're supposed to feel sorry for him i don't think he, he looked at catalogs anymore. to begin with i mean i think he's just like us <laughs> he's like ariana grande i see it i want it i want it i, want it. I bought it <laughs> Um, he also had an individual lawsuit with Rudy with, that he won, um, and he won $3 million and a promise from Rudy to reveal his sources and accomplices. But Rudy, one, never paid, and go. two, never said anything. Yeah, no. And yeah. So this is also showing like Brad, uh, our investigator, playing with his dog and opening a beer, which I think is really funny since Aww. we're talking about wine so much. <laughs> and he's saying, you know, when you leave things unregulated, you leave the door open for people to game the system. True. Um, Jeff, Hollywood Jeff says that he discovered that, uh, Rudy just sold him a case of fake wine and that it hurt and he felt like a fool, but I thought we were still, still, we had so many good times that, you know, I forgive him because the good times we had far outweigh the fact that he sold me this fake wine. Um, <sighs> okay. Uh, Rudy served his 10-year sentence in federal prison in, uh, California. He did not return to interview requests. Uh, for this documentary no one else has been prosecuted yet he was released in november of 2020 and deported ba back to indonesia damn in april of 2021 he's now 44 and you have to figure if he's back in indonesia he's back in the lap of luxury with yeah. his super rich uncles yeah dang and scene that was sour grapes so interesting what the fuck it's a fun little documentary because it is definitely a very s specific slice of time. Mm -hmm. And they're showing it how, like, you know, it's all happening in 2008 when, like, the recession is starting mm -hmm. to happen. So you, you have all these people who are suffering and then, like, you're dealing with all this, like, uh. millions of dollars worth of wine. And it's just – at one point, I think it might be Jason. I think he says something like, you know, either you buy into this or you don't, right? Like, either you think it's bullshit that people are all, like – think wine is worth this mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. you know or you know you get it or whatever and it's just it's Man. just it's baffling it's just very interesting and it's you can believe that like he got away with that kind of stuff i guess but like someone could not do what he did mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. right? right like one they know too much like i feel like for a while it was just like who would dare to do this right and then now they're like oh anyone could easily just fucking do this um, I mean, Sackville, yeah. like misspelled labels, uh, didn't even make that vintage that year, right. like that kind of stuff. Right. Um, you know. Promise me this, Katie. We need to go to France. We need to visit Laurent. Domain, Domain Ponceau. Oui, oui. 
I, I mean, it looked like he was giving a tour, like when he was showing the vines. Uh, we need and stuff, to look so I'm him. Like, maybe we could do a tour. You know what? We need to look him eyes into eyes. Lizards, I'm definitely going to put pictures of the Coke wine bathroom on oh, I Instagram. Can't wait. I know sometimes I promise things and I don't do it, but I'm going to definitely <laughs> do it because it is literally like, why does this person have this money? Levels of ugly. Uh, like, it's just awful. Um, and just every time he's just like, yeah, I spent $4 million on, you know, fake wine. I'm just like, but and why? he just has this little shitted and grit on his face because it doesn't but matter why? to him like as a drop in the bucket you know but yeah so this is available for free on imdb tv awesome. their little app um you get some ads which are very off-putting because there's definitely no break so out of nowhere mm. like i'd be in burgundy and then it would be like cheetos and, um, <laughs> but i thought it was really interesting and i also thought it was you know going to our roots of yes wine, i love it mystery. like was it the brothers that like you know, put this together? Or was it Rudy who, like, came up with this? Or was it just sort of like... Oh, no, he's not smart enough for arts and crafts. <laughs> you know, he can't do crafts. Uh, arts and crafts. That's Mm-mm. way too labor intensive mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. Too much focus required. Can't do it. I just, it was so interesting. And and uh, it's, it's just really... We should all have a friend like Hollywood Jeff who not only believes in us to the point of there's overwhelming proof in your face and you go, he must have just been looking that, at that in his house and then discovers that he sold, a, like, pro- I mean, a whole case. So it must Ugh. have been thousands of dollars. Yes. And was just like, it was fake, but I forgive him because of the good times. Oh, my jeez, Hollywood Jeff. We should all have such a friend. True. Well, you're, you're, my, you're my, I don't know, crimes friend. <laughs> crimes? Are you doing crimes? I'd be like, hey, M.M., are you um, doing crimes? So... Been organizing some crimes, huh? Um, and you'll just really fucking hate rich people for sure. Done, and, done, and done. Um, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Symphony. Oh, Symphony. <laughs> so yeah, not only did I bring back wine, I brought back France. God, <laughs> the lizards, just... the lizards, and I. Thank you. So happy birthday! Thank you. And um. I know it's late there. We'll 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 talk soon. Yeah. And, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Enjoy.